0: Joining us today on Superheroes of Science, we're pleased to welcome Yadu Pokhro. Yadu is an associate professor in the Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering at Michigan State University. So welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. Yes. Well, we
2: appreciate you taking time to uh, meet with us and uh, be interviewed for the program. And uh, I think we, we, we want to start, I think, with finding out uh, just a little bit about you and, and what you research. I think would be a good place to start
1: there. Uh, my research is in the area of uh, hydrology and water resources, very broadly speaking, uh, but specifically I look at how climate change and uh, human activities uh, to manage water resources on land are, you know, collectively uh, collectively impacting the water resource availability and uh, intensifying climate extremes like droughts. And and then we assess what would be the impacts on crop production. Um, Uh, to look at food security uh, and other things. So that is the uh, kind of core area of my research. Uh, But there are a lot of other applications as well. Uh, And I would also note that we do uh, modeling. We use computer models to understand how the uh, water systems are changing and how climate change and these human actions will impact water resources in the future
2: that that's a very broad I, I was surprised <laughs> yeah so with the water then it, one of the things I know was droughts that we that you, that you you've researched right, right. The, is, what was it did I read it was uh, the different kinds of droughts or the the fact, the factors involved with droughts, right?
1: Uh, yes. There are different kinds of droughts. Uh, you know, uh, uh, no one is related to rainfall. When we have less rainfall than that we used to have before, let's say historically, we have less rainfall than we see a drought, right? So that is called meteorological drought. And then that can translate into other types of drought. For example, we have l- less rainfall that can trigger reduction in water in soil. And that affects plants. That is called agricultural droughts. I would say plants and crops, and that's the agricultural drought. And then, if we go further, uh, you know, uh, eventually there will be reduction in groundwater availability and water in streams, and so on. And that is called the hydrological drought. Uh, and that can directly impact, you know, water use for humans and um, also ecosystem services.
2: Ah, uh, okay. And I'd never thought about you know different types of droughts, but classifying them by what is uh, where the water's missing, right? More that is that okay. That's that kind of makes sense. I hadn't thought of it though, but so I'm glad you did. (laughs) Um, All right. So how does that? How does uh, a different the different types there impact? And especially, I know you said uh, that you study um, how people's actions. Are impacting the climate and stuff. So, yeah. how are people? Because I'm thinking, well, if a meteorological drought, how, how would people impact that?
1: Yes, that's a great question. Because we, what we do, anything on land, we change the hydrological cycle and if i you know i cannot show you right now but if you think of this hydrological cycle cycle water evaporates from land right and then goes to the atmosphere and you know ocean is there too but then falls back on land if you change the landscape then how much water gets evaporated is completely altered. You can completely modify. Think of uh, you know nice grassland versus a parking lot. So from a nice grassland, you have a lot of water evaporated and you supply water into the atmosphere and now you go and change it to a parking lot or some residential areas, then all of the water just flows to the river channels and nothing gets evaporated. This is a kind of simple example, but that is how humans can change the you know uh, water cycle and if you don't have, let's say, m- much water in the atmosphere because you Altered the evaporation, that is the supply of water into the atmosphere, right? Then probably uh, it can be more or less rainfall. I cannot tell um, exactly, but it somehow change precipitation. So that is how humans can impact the climate system itself. And of course, they directly, as I said, you know, uh, a nice grassland or cropland, little water flowing to rivers versus a, a parking lot, all of the water flowing to the rivers. There is a direct impact on how much water you can see on streams, right?
2: oh well that makes sense yeah. it's it, it's it's as we talk about any system yeah. but you know if, if you change a variable within a system it impacts the rest of the system exactly. and so yeah that that totally makes sense now with your crops well, with the agricultural drought, drought that you mentioned um it's a, is that just basically because of the meteorological one is that what causes the agricultural one or are there other variables that might come into play there
1: uh, that is an excellent question. Yes, uh, the, you know, the major driver is the, is the precipitation or rainfall, right? So, okay. it, it uh, you know, whenever you have a drought, it may trigger first, you know, meteorological drought may be there, and that may trigger a whole lot of other things, uh, eventually agricultural drought and hydrological drought and so on. But sometimes there may not be a lot of drop in precipitation. But uh, if you think of climate, say, there could be more evaporation happening because of very high temperatures in some years, let's say. So you got some rainfall. You didn't see a big drought in terms of rainfall, but then, you know, very high temperatures can drive evapotranspiration. So you get a lot of water lost into the atmosphere. So on the soil, uh, there could be less water and soils may dry up. So it's a kind of a complex uh, dynamics. But as I said, you know, precipitation or rainfall is the major driver there.
2: Okay. When we talk about the total amount of water going back into the atmosphere used a term that I'd like you to define real fast uh, so that people understand uh, what the two parts of one word we use when we say evapotranspiration, tra- evapotranspiration, uh, yeah, transpiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we say that, what are the, the two things that we that were thrown into that word?
1: Uh, It is evaporation plus transpiration. Evaporation is if you put water on the surface, then it'll get vaporized and then it would go up into the atmosphere. That is evaporation. Uh, And that can happen in the absence of any plants. But now we have also plants. They go and, you know, uh, pump up water from the soil and, you know, uh, pump water from the soil and then, you know, transfer into the atmosphere, right? That is the transpiration process. So when you combine these two, we call that uh, collectively as the there for transpiration.
2: So, for a plant to transpire, what um, factors or variables, I guess I want to say, will go into the amount of water that a plant will transpire, and are people influencing that variable within the um, hydrological cycle too?
1: Yes. Um, The, you know, the most important factor or the variable is the water availability in soil. And we are talking about drought. So when you have drought, you have less water available in soil, right? And we call that as a plant stress. We stress out when there is a, let's say we are going for hiking, we don't have enough water in our body, then we start stressing out. So same thing, there's not enough water in the soil, then plants will start stressing because of that. That is called, uh, you know, soil water stress, that can directly affect uh, transpiration. And there are other factors, uh, for example, the atmospheric part, if the atmosphere is very dry, then you can imagine you are in a desert and you drink a lot of water, but you you sweat and that easily gets vaporized. You don't see even sweat on your skin. It's similar to that. If the atmospheric atmosphere is pretty dry then it is demanding more water it's going to take up more water and plants can you know lose water easily when you have a dry atmosphere versus a very you know humid a um, lot of water in the atmosphere there then plant wouldn't lose water that easily because the atmosphere is not demanding that much of water right so these are kind of two controls you know one is the control from the atmosphere overlying atmosphere and the other is the control from the soil uh, whether there is enough water or not
0: Okay. I I know one thing. So I'm from a pretty predominantly um, farming community. And I know I hear a lot of like farmers will, they like to predict, they always like to predict what the upcoming season will be. So I might hear things like, oh, this coming summer, we're in for a drought or we're, you know, this will be a really wet season. So is there anything to, you know, that kind of talk related to what you're saying like this? I'm just thinking, gosh, this agricultural drought, are they Are they really predicting this or is it something that it kind of depends more on the weather patterns or both?
1: Yeah that's an excellent question and uh this relates to one of our recent study uh published in the journal Nature Climate Change and we did long term projections of droughts uh, and one and there are two things uh we need to you know uh, be clear on one is short term weather forecast kind of thing the other thing is the long term climate projections right so the short term weather forecast you will go and look weather forecast look at the weather forecast you will see there's going to be on you know, rain or you know clear sky or something in the next couple of days, and we can do that for, uh, you know, uh, a couple of weeks. And as you go longer into the future, then the weather forecasts are not accurate. It's a pretty simple thing, right? That is the weather forecast. The other thing is the climate projection. So we can run climate models, and these climate models simulate the climate of the entire Earth, uh, ocean, land, atmosphere, everything. And then We can run these for hundreds of years, unlike short-term weather forecasts. And those tell us in which direction are we Going in the future, are things gonna get uh, drier and drier in certain regions over long term, or we gonna we are gonna get more and more rainfall in certain regions? Uh, those are two d- differences here. And when we talk about agricultural communities, sometimes the short term or oftentimes the short term weather forecast is important because uh, farmers may want to know, will we have enough water in the next month or next two months, three months? Right. So sometimes we, you know, I'm not. Uh, uh, i do, i don't do research in weather forecasting i rather look at the long term climate into the future so uh, yeah and when we look into the the future climate we run these models sometimes even for hundreds of years and then oh. come up with an understanding of uh, let's say you know uh, central united states what is going to happen in the next 20 30 years Uh, That is also important because in the immediate term, you want to know whether there will be rain or not. But uh, let's say in the next 20 20 years, there is going to be less and less rainfall and then water resources are going to deplete. Then what do we do? We need to start thinking ahead of of time to be able to cope with that kind of situation. right? And that is what we did in this in in the study that I just mentioned, uh, which has been published recently in Nature Climate Change.
2: Now, when you run one of those studies and a variable changes such as um, I don't know a particular industry within an area or it, or um, a law that comes into play that changes people's behaviors, do you then have to completely rerun your model with the, those that new input?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, the, the, when we run these models, there are two drivers, and I think I mentioned that in the very beginning as my, uh, you know, uh, core area of research. One is the climate driver. We put information like, uh, you know, what would be future emissions, and uh, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, uh, future societies are we anticipating? Right. That. Also dictates sort of uh, climate in the future. If we do more and more emissions, then there will be increase in temperature and so on. And the other factor is, if we have additional information, as you said, from you know human management or some sort of industries and other things, that should also be uh, you know uh, provided for these models to be able to run for the future.
2: Okay. Now your i don't know i want to say average joe is what i want to say i'm not sure what an average joe is but uh for someone who's not looking and who's not looking ahead okay for my it's not my job to look ahead and plan things on a large scale and figure that out how would something like this still impact me would there be impacts for me in understanding this
1: yeah absolutely i know um when there's change in water is fundamental to, to everything on earth, right? So whenever you see some change in water, if you get more and more water, then you may be concerned about getting flooded at some point. That happens a lot and you know, in the United States. And if you are, uh, you know, in the region where there will be less and less water in the future because of climate change or for any other reasons, then there will be water scarcity and in the central U.S. and western United States, many regions are already suffering from major droughts. For example, California uh, it is still under drought and it started in 2011-12, uh, I forgot the exact uh, timing, but uh, almost a decade ago. And that lasted for quite some time. I think there was a time when they had declared an emergency in California. So uh, then it would impact crop production. It would impact your ability to get water for daily use. It would impact industries. It would impact power generation, all kinds of things. And another example is the Texas drought, again, around 2012-13, I believe. Uh, I think there, were, there, there, there was a situation when they needed to, you know, shut down some power plants because they didn't have enough water to cool the plants, right? Then now do I need to tell how you might be impacted because you may <laughs> not have enough food and farmers are suffering, but you may not have enough food on your table at some point if or it may get expensive if they are not able to produce yeah. as much uh, food they would do. And if there's a, you know, power supply shortage that, that is going to directly impact, um, you know, the societies, right? So those are the kinds Of impacts we may see, even though immediately and right now there may not be a water shortage, or they may not there may not be a you know shutdown of water supply in your house. But there are complicated and interrelated things that could impact everybody.
2: And I think that's, that's the key right there. When you say that it's, it's something you might not see right now. It's like, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, my well isn't going to probably run dry in my backyard, my little well, but I might be paying a lot more food because it's going to be harder to get And those long-term impacts. Oftentimes we as society don't think about how it's going to come back and how interconnected these things are and how much it will impact our lives down the future.
1: Right. And I would add one more thing. I always like uh, putting this in my presentations for uh, high school students or even college students when we talk about water scarcity. The example of uh, something called Day Zero uh, in the city of Cape Town in South Africa. In the spring of 2018, all of a sudden, water, water authorities in the city of Cape Town in South Africa said that everybody in this town, your water, water in your tap will be you know sat down on whatever date they, they had predicted like uh, in, in May 1st or something like that across the city why is because they were suffering from a major drought and uh, you know they first used the water they had stored in reservoirs and then next year no rain okay and another year not much rain so all the water they had stored in the reservoirs started depleting And then, you know, some people were pumping groundwater, water levels in uh, groundwater levels were going down as well. Then what do you do? There is no water in surface reservoir. There's no water in uh, groundwater reservoirs. And they came and made this announcement, but very luckily, right before their day zero, what they call day day zero to quote it, you know, there was a kind of pouring rain, heavy rains across the region, all of a sudden reservoir levels coming up, oh my God. So it saved the, you know, that sort of disaster. So we don't know when and in what place that would happen, but all the climate projections tell us that things are getting just worse in many places around the world. And, you know, parts of central U.S. and western, southwestern U.S. are kind of places uh, that may face a lot of uh, water-related problems in the future because of uh, more and more droughts.
2: So the models are supporting the, the thought that there will be more droughts more common more often
1: in yes. more places? Yes. Uh, and in the study that we uh, did, we looked at, uh, you know, I Earlier, I said there are three types of droughts, meteorological, uh, uh, agricultural, and hydrological. In the recent study, we looked at drought from a slightly different perspective, okay? So in this one, we said, let's look at total water storage drought. And this this kind of takes into account all of those things. We have precipitation going into the model. And then we look at soil moisture as well, because that is an indicator of uh, meteorological drought. And we looked at stream flow or water in rivers and groundwater as well. And holistically, we came up with an idea of uh, using this uh, index uh, as uh, uh, an indicator of the probability of having drought in any way. It could be meteorological, agricultural, hydrological, because all of these are integrated together, right? So that terminology is called the terrestrial water storage. And uh, if you ask me what that is, it is just think of any small watershed or, you know, backyard how much water do you have in that land there it could be in uh, on the surface if there's some anything there and if you think of a watershed it could be reservoirs and river channels and water in soils water in deeper groundwater if there is snow that is uh, you know considered as well considered as well so we integrated all of these and then looked at looked at that holistically and, and then we did future projection And your question was, do we see more and more droughts happening in the future? And yes, that was the key finding of our study. We found that this total water storage that we use to to, to look at droughts in an integrated way is going to decline in two-thirds of the global land uh, during the course of this century. Two-thirds of the global land will see that decline. And then we looked at drought. And that translated into increasing droughts. And by the end of the century, you know, um, people living globally under extreme to exceptional droughts, the kinds of droughts that didn't happen so much historically in the past 30, 40 years, people living in that kinds of droughts would more than double, would become almost triple during the course of the 21st century.
0: So where where is that water going then? Because I mean, it's all here. So if it's, if it's leaving and, and we're getting those, you know, predicting potentially, you know, more droughts where the water that was there, where does it end up?
1: exactly that's a great question <laughs> and yeah if the water is not there we are looking at the total water now where does it go right and that takes, uh, takes us back to the we call mass conservation we cannot uh, remove any water from earth it's, it has to be there whatever it is and the simple answer is probably if we don't have water on land then it's going to go to the oceans and there's more water in the oceans because we didn't look at that when i say earth it was only land that's why we call this as the terrestrial water storage except uh-huh. the ocean and there is an implication. We didn't look at that directly in this study, but now you can imagine. I'm saying there could be more water in the oceans. Me and sea levels going up, probably, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. And wow, that's an economic uh, nightmare right there with everything close <laughs> right. to the everything close to the shores and stuff. Right. Oh wow. And so it, you it, know you might not be able to answer this one. I feel like we're interrogating you. I kind of feel like you're on trial here. Uh, not intentionally, though. I just <laughs> you have really good information. I, want I know. To know.
0: You're doing excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> no, but, no, it's, it's really fun. <laughs> yeah. but
2: this one, I don't know if you can answer this one or not. This might be where I it's a, a, a little bit of um, I'll just ask. So what can I do? I, am just, I'm just a little fellow living out in the country in the Midwest. Um, what can I do to help change your model? So there's not as many, is there something just like small that I can do to help?
1: Uh, yeah, that is a great question. Also a difficult question and takes, uh, uh, me back to what, you know, you asked earlier, how, everyone could be impacted, now what everyone could do. Uh, I think this is a kind of a, a fundamental issue about climate change, I would say, because if you emit more uh, you know, uh, greenhouse gases in, into the atmosphere, you're gonna have more climate change. And then if you, the other uh, other part of the story is if you keep using more and more water without thinking of uh, any water savings and so on, then those two are gonna combine. Climate change would reduce water availability. Then you have less water, you have drought, But you don't think of, you know, reducing the water usage, right? We call water use efficiency. Then that is going to further uh, worsen the problem. So, you know, two things we could do is reduce climate change, mitigate climate change in some way so that we what we see may not happen. Uh, we see all of these droughts because we are assuming that there's going to be medium to high level of climate change, okay? So if That is not going to happen, then maybe the droughts that we have seen may not happen in the future. The other thing is our model models also look at how humans are using water resources. Then if the model in the model, we tell us, oh, we are going to reduce the uses of water in the future, then the model will see, you know, more water on land and less droughts.
2: Yeah, I think it's the I think for people that's one of the hardest things to do because if if it's not impacting me right now like i don't have to, that's not something I need to worry about but you you're looking into the future saying hey the data is showing this is going to happen and so it's i have to stop and think wait a minute i need to make changes in my life now to help prevent that from happening down the road and i think it's so hard for people to do
1: Exactly. And I think it's not only about climate change or water in everyday life and to every person, probably you don't uh take something seriously sometimes unless you experience, you have that experience, right? Or you yes. feel it. Uh, so same thing applies. Probably people in South Africa are more serious now because they almost have that disaster and they think that, wow, it really impacts us. And then I was in uh, uh, Melbourne in, I think, uh, 10 years ago, 2011, and I visited one of the areas that was suffering from drought and uh, walking you know, uh, toward the reservoir that was drying up. We met lots farmers. And then they really felt it. They were saying that, they, my God, this is the worst thing we have seen. I have seen in the last 20 years. Uh, how, how are we going to survive uh, this? Because um, the reservoir water levels are dropping and we don't have rainfall and the crop plants are drying. So probably, you know, uh, we, we don't want that to happen to everybody, but uh, somehow yeah. maybe uh, you know, before we experience something, we are not taking things seriously, but you know, it's not a good thing, but the good thing is that we have already seen these in some places in the world so that other parts of the world should be aware of that now and then take things seriously.
2: Well, it's, I love, I love everything you had to, to, to share with that and help it. Yeah, I, hopefully we can get more awareness out there and people can understand how small changes in that whole system can really make impacts in it together we can hopefully change the future literally. I have one last question I gotta ask you because I've been curious, ever since the Zoom screen popped up, you picked a reservoir for, you had to pick this splash screen for a reason. And so uh, (laughs) what's the story behind your uh, Zoom screen?
1: Yes, that's a great question. (laughs) Yeah, This is the reservoir behind uh, Hoover Dam uh, you know, uh, in the mighty Colorado. And, uh, why I picked this is as you can see, probably I'm, I'm, I'm not living in the Western part of the country. I'm in Michigan. So I can't tell how the water levels fluctuated in the past 10, 20 years, but, uh, the measurements in this reservoir, uh, tell us that water levels have been dropping and you see some marks there probably when the reservoir is really cool, it would go that high. Uh, So, why I put it here is we see some water droppings there, and then I wanted to link this back to the story of Africa, let's say. If the water level in Lake Mead keeps dropping, 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 and then at some point we may need to tell all the people in the the, uh, southwest, including California, uh, you know, in in distant areas that there's going to be shortage of water, right? That was the story behind this uh, image.
2: very nice. Uh, we so appreciate your time. This has been great. Uh, and this uh, There's so much content and detail you were able to explain to us and to uh, be able to tie it in on how it can help and impact everyone in the future, literally everyone on the globe in the future, I think is just an outstanding thing. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.